Thank you, Anita, for ministering in music. Been doing a series of sermons on, I guess you could say, core basics, absolutes. And that's in the context of my not getting any younger. No age takes its toll. And one of these days, you know, it'll be a transition in leadership and just emphasizing what are some core basics? What do we want to make sure remains in place? as we transition in leadership somewhere along the line. Not sure when that's going to happen. In process, looking for another guy to come on board. And he and I worked together for a period of time. So what is important for a church to be healthy? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the body of Christ being members of the body of Christ, being secure in the body of Christ. As we interact with your word this morning, think about some applications and implications. We want to be sensitive to your work in us. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I have two plants here. The one on the right has not experienced any frost. It's been kept out in the entryway, it's watered on a regular basis, gets a little sunlight, apparently sufficient sunlight to be a somewhat healthy plant. On the other side here, I have a plant that was setting out on the drive through and it experienced the frost. And we know because it experienced the frost, there's not life there. And maybe that's an extreme example. Maybe a better example would be the blueberry bush that I had in the garden for years. It never got any higher than about two and a half feet. It produced a blueberry every once in a while. I never fertilized it. I basically just left it alone, and it didn't produce. That was donated to Naomi, and I think it's doing better now because she's trying to take better care of it. For something to be healthy, certain basic requirements are necessary. When we neglect, it can result in pretty drastic measures or just a plant going on indefinitely without being fruitful the way God designed it. The Lord designed believers to go through the trials of life and the blessings of life for his glory. For this to be a reality, as we discussed several weeks ago, we need Christ, Christ alone. But Christ alone results in a healthy body of Christ. And a healthy body of Christ is not necessarily what we might think it is. A healthy body, a healthy local church, is not necessarily struggle-free with few thoughts. A healthy local church is not composed merely of mature believers. A healthy local church is not focused on satisfying people. A healthy local church is not primarily consumed with programs to reach unbelievers to bring them in. 
We'll come back to that a little later. For several weeks, we discussed Christ alone. And as we considered Romans and the book of Colossians, we learned that being united with Christ involves the body of Christ. Christ alone means a sinner comes into a relationship with God, with Christ, and the body of Christ through repentance of sin and faith in Christ. So walking with Christ is demonstrated and lived through walking with a local body. Reconciliation, regeneration, and salvation brings us into a relationship with Jesus Christ and his body, that is, believers in Christ. Christ alone involves both the person of Christ and the body of Christ. They are a unit. Our vertical relationship with God, with Christ, is displayed in horizontal relationships with believers. We love, we yield to Christ by experiencing his body locally. We live vertically by living horizontally. And we find that that teaching is repeated throughout the epistles time and time again. A relationship with Christ that lived out in a relationship with the body of Christ. We find that in the epistles, in Romans 1 through 11, there's a strong emphasis on being in Christ. In chapters 12 through 16, there's a strong emphasis on living in the world, living in union, in relationship with believers. And in Romans 12, I guess I would call it a transition point, we find that Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then in verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but to think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And then he goes into relationships within the body of Christ. Christ, transition, body of Christ. In Galatians, you'll find, and I don't want to draw this too tight, but in chapter 1 and verse 6, Through chapter 5 and verse 12, there's a lot of emphasis on Christ, the gospel of Christ. In chapter 5, 13 through 15, seems to be somewhat of a transition into the body of Christ. And then in 5, 16 through 6, 10, talks about relationships. But in Galatians 5, verse 15, and giving a big overview here, I realize, but Galatians 5 and verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. That is free in Christ, what you have in Christ. 
But do not use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And then he moves into relationships, vertically related to Christ, living that out in day-by-day living in relationships. In the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1 through 3, Ephesians isn't on PowerPoint, but in Ephesians 1 through 3, we find that there's an emphasis on in Christ. You get to chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. How's that done? He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In Christ, then relationships within the body. In Colossians 1 and 2, we find that Paul again emphasizes in Christ. Chapters 3 and 4, he talks about relationships. But in chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts full or on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then will you also appear with him in glory. A transition from in Christ to living with other believers. In the book of Hebrews, and again, I'm not making too strong of a distinction, but I think there is some distinction. In Hebrews 1, 1 through 10, 18, a strong emphasis on Christ, who Christ is, what he has done. In chapter, 9, or chapter 10 and 19 through 22, a transition into body relationships. In Christ is lived out in the context of relationships among believers locally. In 1 Corinthians, we find that it repeatedly goes back and forth between in Christ and the body of Christ. Over and over again. In Philippians, we find there's a repeatedly going back and forth between Christ and the body of Christ. In 1 Thessalonians, there's a repeated going back between Christ, being in Christ, and the body of Christ. In James, there's a strong relationship, or strong emphasis on relationships among believers, more on the body of Christ. In 1 John, there's a repeated going back and forth between Christ and the body of Christ. In Revelation 2 and 3, we find that local churches are addressed. Christ is speaking to his to local churches. All of that said, there's a strong emphasis on the body of Christ and Christ. You can't separate the two. We're related to Christ. We live that out in relationships. As we understand being dead in transgressions and sins before coming to Christ, and as believers are battle with Satan, the world, and our own sinful nature as believers, we realize our need for Christ expressed through the local body.
our health, our walk with God, with Christ, to a large extent is dependent upon relationships with believers. We need, the way God designed us, body life, shepherding, and corporate worship. We need them as a plant needs water. We need them as an engine needs gasoline. And on a scale of 1 to 10, if we neglect those needs, we'll live at a 1 or 2 rather than moving up to an 8 or 9 or a 10. It's the way God designed us. It's a core that we need body relationships, body life, shepherding, and corporate worship. Again, the way God designed us. And share an example from life. Married couple I'll call George and Sue. They have several children. They were relating biblically to a local body of believers. They'd gone through some ups and downs in life along the way, and they had body relationships that kept them going. They received shepherding from church leaders. They were experiencing corporate worship on a regular basis. As a few years went by, there were some difficulties came in life, and they backed away from relationships. They backed away from responding to church leaders. They backed away from corporate worship. They began to pursue leisure more than they had in the past. Some expensive toys which were beyond their means. Camping became very, very strong in their life. And they started to deny some personal problems. In the process of their drift, they rejected counsel from believers and from church leaders. They refused to stop and look at some patterns that were developing in their own life. Several of their children turned away from relating well to their parents and turned away from walking with God. And the children would have said, Mom and Dad have not been living for the Lord at home for a number of years. But they backed away from body relationships, shepherding corporate worship. Not that they didn't struggle, they just refused. A core essential as the church thinks about its present and the future, is Christ alone lived out in body relationships, lived out with shepherding, lived out with corporate worship. And as a church goes along, it's always important just where are we? How are we doing in those areas? I want to focus on... First of all, just body relationships. 
and I would call them the one another's, the front of our bulletin today, we list some of the one another's, you know, pray for one another, encourage one another, forgive one another, correct one another, and so on. Those one another's are important. They can be formal. They may be more informal. Maybe in a more formal setting, might be in an informal setting. I think it's important in daily life, just as a pattern of life, you know, where we practice the one another. Someone calls one, someone and says, I'm giving you a word of encouragement. Someone writes an encouragement note. <clears throat> someone takes someone out for a meal and says, let's talk together. But just the one another's being applied. Very, very critical in life. Romans 12 through 15 talks about them. That is relationships. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 for a few moments. As we think about one another's, we think about body life. And I do want to emphasize that body life isn't something that merely takes place in a formal setting. Probably most of it takes place more informally. But in Ephesians 4, in chapters 1 through 3, Paul has talked about being in Christ. In Ephesians 4, in verse 1, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Humble. Humility really affects relationships. You ever think about what happens in a family where there's no humility? No one ever does wrong. No one ever seeks forgiveness. Body of Christ where there's not humility really deeply affects relationships. You can't have a church fight and have humility present. Because the church fights involve pride. Humility is someone saying, you know, or the church saying, let's see Christ. Let's be humble. Being humble and gentle. No, we need gentleness. So Ruth Ann tells me for the umpteen time, Dan, you need to talk more. She can do that gently now. <laughs> she was afraid to do that the first couple of years of marriage. But that has deeply affected our relationship, her being patient with me. I being patient with her. Think about the body of Christ. We look at people sometimes and we say, what's wrong with them? They just don't seem to get very far along in their spiritual life. They're really struggling. They should be further along. How about patience? Not overlooking, but Patience. Bearing with one another. Do you ever tell someone more than once how to do something, how to respond? Patience. Bearing with one another in love. And then he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He's already made the argument in chapter 2 that there is peace among believers. Now he's saying, live it out. 
Notice what he says in chapter 4 and verse 15. Instead of being tossed about with all kinds of incorrect teaching, he says, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Believers speaking the truth to one another, formally, informally, that is very vital and very important. Notice what he says in chapter 5 and verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for up, up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Love, important. Body relationships. There's other passages you can look at. But think about body relationships important within the local church. Among believers at large. Encouragement, a rebuke, a prayer, a carrying a burden, a putting an arm around a shoulder. That's important. That's core. That's vital. But think about that in the context of a marriage also. A husband, a wife, encouraging one another, praying for one another, correcting one another, rebuking one another, spurring one another on. Going to make a growing marriage. I can safely say, I'm speaking only in my end, if you want to ask Ruth Ann about her end, sometime you can. That if I had not received encouragement, a spurring on, a rebuke, prayer, and other things from Ruth Ann over the years we've been married, I would not be where I am spiritually. Body life between us. But think about that in the context of a family. Parents and children, or parents and children and grandchildren, or grandparents and children and, you know, so on. A family, those that are believers, seeking to practice body life. A grandfather saying to a grandson, I'm praying for you. A grandmother saying to a daughter, I notice this in your response to your husband. It's not a good thing. You better make some shifts. It'll have consequences down the road. A grandchild saying to a granddad or a grandmother as they're going through some physical trials, I know you can't do what you used to. You're over the hill, but I love you. I'll help do this around the house. I just care for you. That's part of being a member of the body. See, body life as family time, as body time. Listen. Share your day. Encourage, rebuke, correct, forgive, bear burdens. That takes time. And sometimes it takes no noise. Without a hurried agenda. Body life. Satan will seek to tempt and lure and pull us away. 
from body life. That's part of who he is. He'll seek to do that. Individually, as families, as a body of Christ, we need to beware of busy. Too busy, whatever that is. I'm not trying to define that for you. Sometimes we can try to to do too much that we don't have time for relationships. Just to relate. That can be true in a family. That can be true within the body of Christ. The second essential that is important, just the whole issue of shepherding. Shepherding is relationships between leaders, primarily pastors and elders and believers. Not putting saints in categories there and saying one is superior to the other. Talking about roles. Pastor, elders, willingness to lead, to feed, to mend, to rebuke, to correct, to be with, to preach, to teach, to encourage. God has given that role to leaders. That involves relationship. I grew up on a farm. We had beef cattle. We had pigs and we had chickens. We didn't have any type of relationship with those animals. I come along and read scripture. I'm going to become a pastor and I go through training. And lo and behold, Scripture talks about a shepherd and sheep. And as you look at shepherd and sheep in real life, and you look at shepherd and sheep spiritually, there's a relationship there. A shepherd laid down his life for the sheep, sheep being willing to follow and so on. A relationship develops. We many times quote Psalm 23, or we read it, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Talks about leading in the green pasture, leading by still water. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. David is penning that psalm. He was a shepherd, he cared for sheep. Now he's a sheep, talking about the Lord being his shepherd. A relationship where a shepherd leads, feeds, mends, rebukes, corrects, and so on. A physical sheep, but also spiritual. Where believers respect, hold in highest regard, imitate the faith of leaders, obey, submit to their authority, act on rebuke, teaching, correction, remain, that is, to... Mature. That is needed among believers because the pastor, the elders, the leaders, and believers live under authority. How does an elder, how does a pastor live under authority? 
by leading, feeding, mending, rebuking, correcting, preaching, teaching, encouraging, and so on. Depends on the point in life as to what is needed. How do believers respect, hold in highest regard, imitate their faith, obey, and so on? That's needed within the body of Christ. In John chapter 10, Jesus talks about him being the shepherd. In Acts chapter 20, Paul says to the Ephesian elders, Guard yourself. Take care of the flock that God has made you an overseer. Shepherd it. In Ephesians 4, 7 through 16, he talks about God giving to the church evangelists, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints so the saints can do the work of the ministry. In Hebrews 13, 7 and 17, he talks about the relationship between leaders and sheep. And in First Peter chapter 5, he talks to elders. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. And I realize I'm leaping into context. The writer of Hebrews is giving some concluding exhortations. And he says in verse 7, of Hebrews. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. But notice, he says, consider the outcome of their way of life. Imitate their faith. In verse 17, he says, obey your leaders, submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. So as we think about the future, of our, we think about the present, but also the future of our church, it's important that we're concerned about shepherding. That's a core item. Leaders who care, who lead, who feed, who mend. Followers who follow. Both essential, both needed. He says, obey your leaders in 17 and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. See, a shepherd, leaders care for sheep, their spiritual well-being. They pray for them. Spend time with them. Strive to encourage, at times, correct. But he says, obey, submit. But the leader keeping watch. In chapter 5 of First Peter, we find that Peter says to the leaders there, the shepherds there, Lead your fam or uh, lead your flock, shepherd your flock, care for your flock. Shepherding, I think, is important within the context of a local church. But shepherding also is important within the context of marriage. A husband 
leading his wife, loving his wife, helping her to develop. A wife complementing, following. But in the context of a family where children and grandchildren are involved, a father providing leadership, shepherding, caring, and concern for the family. As I study scripture, I guess I'm becoming more and more convinced that one of the core small groups designed by God is family. Immediate family, but also extended family. And then in a larger context, a local body, then ultimately have the body of Christ worldwide. You have a local church with leaders who are concerned about people and people are concerned about leaders and there's a relationship developing and that continues on in a godly way. That's vital. But within the family, that also happening. And the enemy will do what he can. The world system will do what it can to break that down. But shepherding is very, very vital. Satan, the world system and our own sinful nature will seek to lure us away from shepherding. But a core item that we need. Jerry, you want to take me to uh, the last set? A healthy church is not but... But as we think about local church, whether it be ours or another church, but we are roaring brooks over thinking about ours, a local church that is healthy is not necessarily struggle-free with few thoughts. Rather, they're seeking to respond biblically, wisely to struggles. You can have a very healthy local church And it has struggles. We're looking for a healthy local church and say it's got to be struggle free. No, I don't think any local church that's struggle free exists. I was talking to someone recently and uh, I kind of grinned to myself, sitting across the table from a guy in a restaurant. And he mentioned a couple. You know, husband and wife, and that couple has some children. He mentioned particularly the husband and wife, and the guy said to me, boy, they're a pretty good couple. (laughs) And my mind was, I didn't say this, really? And then he went on to say, oh, I know they have a few struggles. That couple's been married for quite a few years. They have some adult children. But they're processing their struggles. At year one, they were here. The year at that, now they're up here. They still struggle, but maturing in the process. Think about that in the context of local church. A local church is not struggle-free. 
It's not fault free. But seeking to respond biblically wisely to struggles. It's not composed merely of mature believers, but responsive believers. Thus, they're in the process of maturing. Ah, a church is really healthy when everyone's mature. If everyone's mature, where are the new babies? A combination. People in process. A local church is focused on satisfying people. A healthy local church is more concerned about many people to live well 24-7. It shouldn't be our goal to satisfy people. It should be help them to live well, to mend people. Am I safe to say that all of us came in here this morning with some mending needed probably? You know, we don't have everything together in our life just right. Is that a safe assumption? We, some of us may be more mature than others, but we need mending. So someone comes into a relationship with Christ who has a background of a very, very godly home. And coming with that comes a degree of pride and arrogance because I know everything that I need to know. They need some mending on humility. Someone comes into the body of Christ that is from an abusive situation. They need some mending, some help, just on how to understand God and who he is in his character. Helping people to live well. Programs to reach unbelievers, we've got to bring them in. I think a healthy church is probably more concerned about just transforming lifestyles that result in questions, listening, coming from unbelievers. It's much different to try to teach someone, or say a child in this, a teenager in this case, if you're trying to impart something to that somewhat arrogant, proud, snotty 16-year-old, if they ever get there. That's different than a 16-year-old coming and saying, Dad, Mom, can you tell me what makes you tick? Dad, I hear you apologize to Mom and ask her forgiveness. I don't see that in any other men. Why do you do that? See, that is much different than trying to guide a teenager that doesn't want to be guided. It's like a fellow said to me one day, talking about someone else, how'd they get to where they are, talking about some other believers that are in the process of struggling but maturing. And I could say, here's how. See, a lot of impacting our world is day by day in life. You're on the job, and a coworker says, Why did you respond to the boss that way? If it was me, I would have said a few things. Or at least I'd badmouth him behind his back. You don't do that. Why? See, that comes maturing, life's transforming. 
over time. A plant is more healthy, but still maturing, still growing, versus when we neglect body life, shepherding, it affects us deeply. Just not being what God has called us to be. Close with an example of a lady who over a number of years has been seeking to relate in a godly way to the body in which she is involved. She uses her gifts and abilities within the body. And when I say within the body, I'm not talking within the four walls of the church. Just encourages people, mentors people, and has had a profound impact upon numerous younger people. I can name some names this morning and say, here's a person that this individual has influenced. Here's another one. Here's another one. Over the years, she has attempted to address some sins and thought and beliefs and words, which has repeatedly kept her on a good course of life, but has been rebuked at times, and she has asked counsel at times and just said to her leaders, can you tell me, am I on track here? Am I doing right? And there's times they've had to say no, and other times they've said yes, and she's made adjustments in life. Today she struggles, but has a base of support behind the scenes where she experiences body life and shepherding. She continues to mature, but hasn't arrived. Unbelievers will ask questions about her life just because, say, we don't know what makes her tick. What's going on? What's different about her? And the ultimate answer is, God is at work in her life. Let's pray together. Father, we think about core basics, essentials. We know that Christ alone, the body of Christ, are essential. And involved in the body of Christ, we need body relationships. Maybe formal, informal, but we need them. We need shepherding. As we think about our local church, where we are in the present, where we're headed in the future, it is our desire to be a body that seeks to continue to practice body life, knowing we have to make adjustments and changes along the way. But we want to go in that direction. We want to be faithful. We know, too, we need shepherding, as discussed this morning. We want to be faithful. We want to be obedient. Keep us on track. And may we be open and sensitive as we'll interact in a couple of weeks in these areas, plus another area. May our goal not be to arrive, Father, but to be in process of being yielded to Christ as our head.
as we together seek to encourage and minister to one another. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.